Hello and welcome. You're listening to the sound of my voice. You have stumbled upon the Two Beers Please podcast. I am one of your hosts, Yannick. Along with me is my co-host, Matt. We are here to talk to you about sports. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to go, Ayo. Ayo. I think you said stumbled upon. If you stumbled upon the Two Beers Please podcast, unintentional or not. If you were walking around on a rainy night and you went into a door and all of a sudden my voice came out of the void... You should run. You should run right yeah. now. <laughs> and that is a bad sign. And then that I have no idea or stop doing mushrooms or something because that that's a little odd. That's a little odd. And uh, I'll try to keep you occupied and hopefully you find your way out of there. But I don't – I can't really help don't you. Don't go towards the light. Yeah, don't go towards the light. Oh, man, what a sad life if my voice is the last thing you hear before, <laughs> before you kick it. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, depending on what you said. If it was something really nice, then I'd take it. There you go. I mean, this podcast has, if you've been following us in the last couple of weeks, this podcast has really become a uh, Luca Garza fan page podcast, and that's all we're really doing nowadays. Yeah. Uh, we thought it's, it. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to do anything else. We try. We'll, we'll try to go over some other things, but I... I, I can't promise anything. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Dude, I mean, even like like he's like lead on Sports Center and PTI talked about him today. Like, even as I was talking, telling my dad this last night, like the Hawkeyes have had a solid football program for many many years, and like we haven't gotten near the attention as a football program as we're currently getting right now because of Luca Garza. So we have to bask in the glory of it. Right. Yeah, exactly. This doesn't happen a lot. Like we are, have good teams. I think we're, we, we do, we do really have good teams. There's been many years with good teams, but in terms of like stardom, like bona fide stardom happens once in a blue moon. I mean, I mean, it really does, which is great because we have great, you know, compact teams and that's part of what makes Iowa sports. So, you know, good at, especially the football version of it, but a bona fide basketball star. I don't know the next time that this is going to happen. So let's bask in it, shall we? <laughs> Truly. Well, yeah. now I guess part of the hope of uh, of getting a guy like this is, hey, it could be you next time. Come, really good recruits. All you big boys, get we over play, here. Play some really fun basketball. Like, I, if I was a basketball player, I, I certainly would look at, at Fran McCaffrey's offense and be like, hell yeah, we're going to, like, get up and down the court. I barely have to play defense, and, like, we're going to score 90 a lot. Like, I, I'm in. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Wow, good pitch. Good pitch to the to the boys out there. Good pitch to yeah, the boys. I'm gonna become part of the recruiting team. Yeah, I, she's I, getting I, up. He's like, please, just come. We can't go another twenty years. University of Iowa them. just like starts like contacting me, and they're like, "Can you please stop contacting these recruits and like scaring them? They're high school kids, dude. Like, get a life. That's fair. You're my life. <laughs> oh gosh." All right. Well, as per usual, uh, we you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well as Twitter. Facebook's just under Two Beers Please. Uh, Instagram is Two Beers Please underscore podcast. And over at the Twitter site, you've got Two BP underscore podcast. That is the l- number Two BP underscore podcast. And we got a lot to talk about today, uh, including some football picks, some Champions League action, some college basketball overview. And as per usual, some quick fire questions. But before that, Matthew, how are you doing? 
how's the day going for you? I'm I'm doing okay. I uh, got a, a little diabetic issue, but uh, as I was just telling to you off the air, I'm I'm used to this rodeo by now. With honestly, the weirdest thing is I've opened up the window in the room that I'm in, and it, it, having the open window in West Des Moines, Iowa, is is certainly such a different uh, effect than opening the window in Bushwick, Brooklyn. <laughs> Right, that's fair. I can't open my window, otherwise this podcast will be interrupted on end. So. Yeah, this insane background noise where like, I open my window and it's like just dead silence. It's it's weird, but I'm good, dude. And like you said, you know, Garza drops another 30-piece last night and gets to go up against his first real test next week, which I'm excited about. And first half of the NBA schedule released today. You know, we've been pumped to, to kind of see what the KD, Kyrie – partnership will look like on the court there for the nets uh and i think this the team's ready to go you know they got a terrific core they get to open the season with the first game of the year against the golden state warriors uh and of course the christmas day action i i'm i'm excited i'm doing well how are you Jan? wow there you go that pumped me up a little bit and uh i'm yeah i'm doing well now i'm not gonna lie i came into the into the podcast a little pissed off i had one of those you know pedestrian driver situations where you know Technically, both people can go, but, you know, both of you think it's your right away. And usually that doesn't piss me off. But, you know, I was coming home from a long day of work and all I got to do is get here. I just want to take a second to relax before we go into this, you know, really get myself in the zone. You know, and he almost hits me and he's making a left turn, you know, in and there's like a pedestrian light. And here's my thing, people like I get it. Like streets are sometimes set up where the car is going the way that a pedestrian is going. Right. But let me just tell you something. If you are a driver and you're ever making a left turn, you never have the right of way. Like left turns, it's only if you have a left turn green. Drivers like, never drivers like never have the right of way, especially like when it's a walking thing. And in New York, like there's times like in Des Moines where like I get it because like there's not, you know, there's just not that foot traffic. Like if you're driving around New York City, you know that like there's going to be people walking everywhere and you just have to let them go. I, I, dude, I'm with you where like when the driver gets all like almost hits you and gets all pissed and be like, no, dude, like th- this, I was supposed to go. And also you're in a car. You're going to get wherever you're going faster than I am. Right. And and that's exactly what it is. It's not that it happened because I don't care. It was just like an awkward situation. I wasn't hurt or anything. But I will say like he he did this thing. He didn't even yell at me. He just like looked at me really intently and then kept pressing his eye like, look. And I said, I said I with my mask on. So I didn't think it was as effective. But I said, I'm a walker because <laughs> I just all I meant was like, you know, I, I get it. We <laughs> had this weird intersection and it's and it's. It's awkward, right? But like, if I go, all that happens is that you have to wait two seconds. If you go, you hit me. Like, that is the interchange. So like, do you see that in your head? So I just was a little peeved. I was like, I don't think you understand how the situation works here. Uh, But I'm doing better now. You know, (laughs) it was a good little... I was like, that fuck. Like, I just... It was nice to like, get some anger out from the day. Get in. That little shit. That's the, uh, uh, that's the nice thing about New York. It presents you uh, plenty of random people to like throw your day's frustration at. It's like, you should have seen this little shit at the bodega today. He was just ticking me off. It's and like, I'm never going to see you again. I don't really have to feel bad about it. And it's so it's a nice uh, nine million people to uh, blame to put your uh, day's frustrations on. So thanks for that, New York. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if nothing else. Thank you for that. That's always that's always much appreciated. 
that's why I'm here, really. It's I have so much frustration. I need as many people as possible around me to, to, to take it out on. Like, I need a plethora of just random people I can blame because if I stay in Iowa, I'm going to know everyone. If I stay in Iowa, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> Everyone's going to hate me. Oh, man. Uh, no, but uh, I'm, I'm doing well. We're going to now go to the local pub, though, my friend. And uh, I'm going to start us off because I am drinking something just divine. It's, it's, it's a little bit of rum, but it comes packaged in, in a nice little um, container of hot chocolate. It's from the new cafe that I'm working at. And it's called A Miracle on Center Street. And it's a uh, boozy hot chocolate. Let me tell you, boy, it is choice. It is choice. Nice. It is hidden spot on this nice cold evening. Boozy hot chocolate. Boozy hot chocolate is just that's a nice. That's a good band name. Uh, I just I just got a boozy corona. hot chocolate. You just you got that's Corona or you got a Corona? No, I got a Corona. <laughs> yep. I was like as the we as I was like as the years winding down, I'm just gonna go with a Corona. Just just the fun kind for me only, please. But, um, you know, I, I want Corona beer to know that even through all the slander that its name has gone through these la- this last year, I will support it no matter what. Right. I feel like people are willing to give them some some slack. You know, I, I, I hear more people calling me. I hope so. <laughs> I hear more people calling it the vid than Corona. Yeah. I, I, hear, feel, like everyone I, hear, calls it, I feel like everyone calls it COVID now. Yeah, because they're just like it's that's too long to to give this yeah. this disease time for. All right, well, I got an interesting segment coming up, and uh, we're gonna try this out. It might suck, but uh, you know who knows. Uh, I'm calling this segment to the chalkboard, and in this segment, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take some sports terms and we're gonna define them for you, uh, just to make sure that everybody knows. Sometimes they're gonna be interesting things, uh, but today I decided to start off with the controversial one that has changed over the years. So, Matthew, I went to the NFL handbook, the 2020 NFL handbook, and I looked up the definition of defensive pass interference. So I am going to read it to you now so everyone knows what defensive pass interference is and what it's not. So here we go. It is pass interference by either team when any act by a player more than one yard beyond the line of scrimmage significantly hinders an eligible player's eligible players opportunity to catch the ball pass interference can only occur when a forward pass is thrown from behind the line of scrimmage regardless of whether the pass is legal or illegal or whether it crosses the line defensive pass interference rules apply from the time the ball is thrown until the ball is touched prohibited acts include contact by a player who's not playing the ball that restricts the opportunity uh, opponent's opportunity to make the catch so that includes a lot of pass interference calls that were not made in the saints favor over the years. Uh, it also includes playing through the back of an opponent in an attempt to make a play on the ball. That it also happened to the Saints, so I apologize uh, for that. It also includes grabbing an opponent's arm in such a manner that restricts his opportunity to catch a pass, cutting off the path of an opponent by making contact with him without playing the ball, and initiating contact with an opponent by shoving, pushing off, thus creating separation. And that, Matthew, is pass interference. What do we think? I... I'm- I'm in, interested that it says one yard because, like, then I I wonder where the five yard because you know there's like the five yard rule from scrimmage where like the cornerback can like press them. So where do I I wonder where that five yard comes into to play as opposed to like one yard. But um, my favorite like defensive pass interference, I guess 
yeah, I guess technically it would be sort of be a defensive pass interference rule is that if it's tipped at the line, then it's fair play. Cause then I love just like that. The fact that the linebackers and the defensive backs can like light up a receiver that's trying to get the ball because yeah. then, because then it's valid. And then you're like, no, I'm not gonna just going to let you sit there and try to get this ball. And then, it, then you got to light them up, which right. is a, it's just a confusing rule. I know a lot of people are like, wait, why the hell could they do that? And it's because if it's tipped or whatever, then pass interference is null and void. Yeah. And it's also interesting, you know, that, I always find this one hard to judge. It's when you like it, it is pass interference if you extend your arm across the body of the receiver, even if you're trying to make a play on the ball. So it's like you don't even have to be restricting the arm if you have an ex- an arm across his body and like are at all restricting the ability. If even if you're trying to intercept it and you don't intercept it, it's pass interference. Like it's kind of it kind of becomes like it's like the play on the ball it like determines what actually happens if you can actually do something with it. Because I can, I can imagine a situation where someone's extending the arm across the body and catches it. And it's just, it's just, it's just an interception. Right. But you know, yeah, just interesting stuff. I That's one too, where like, I get so upset sometimes with like receivers where like, cause I mean, receivers are always calling for defensive pass interference, but like there's times like, like in that sort of situation where like, I mean like pass interference, I think certainly is it's, equivalent to like soccer fouls where like you you kind of have to sell it sometimes and like sometimes i'm just like receiver if you would have actually tried to make a play on the ball then they would have without a doubt passed interference like i hate when they sit in the end zone and they're like waiting for the ball where i'm like if you go and jump and try to get it yeah you're probably not going to catch it but like for sure the guy the defender because of where their positioning's at is going to get interference on you like, come on, make make it easier on yourself and, and, and on the flag. Right, exactly. Because I think some of them have it in their head that they don't need to be going for the ball in order for it to be pass interference. But at the same point, it's that's exactly like you said, like in soccer, it's like just because he wasn't in the motion of shooting, you know, you're you're not gonna get the call if you don't if you don't sell it a little bit, you know? Yeah. You gotta you gotta, you know, help the refs out a little bit. <laughs> help the refs out. They 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 do. They do hard work. Help them out. Help them. Give them a little less. Work I do. Dude, I applaud every single ref. I have no idea why anyone would want to be a referee. So that they all have an insane amount of respect from me. Absolutely. Just self-immolation at its finest. Yeah. Like, hey, do you want um everyone to hate you? I'm like, well, what if I'm good at my job? Oh yeah, no, they'll still hate you. Right. Yeah. Good for which team though? It's what we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. They'll either hate you or be, uh, be indifferent. That's the best best you can get. You can get some indifference. That's how you know you're a legend. You're a yeah. legend. If you're Ed Hockley and you're just a jacked beast on the sideline, then people are like, okay, Ed's Ed's fine. But even, you know, even when like people loved Ed Hockley, you know, as soon as you make a call against your team, everyone is, is gonna hate him again. Like it yeah. is just a it's a no-win situation. Zero sum game. Yeah, so if you're listening to this, don't become a referee, my friend. Do not become a referee. If you're thinking about it, turn back from the light. This is the room that you found yourself in is the referee initiation ceremony. Get out of there. Get out of there. It sounds tough. I mean, I guess some would, I hope some, some of you stay in just so we still have refs, but I, I don't know why I good on you. Like I said, I just don't like the sport itself. I feel like just wouldn't not be as, uh, it's fun to watch, but maybe maybe they're just like people that like love rules. Like they're the kid that was like, "Hey, you didn't collect the 
homework this week. Like even when they're watching games at home, like they're just like calling, you know, rules left and right. That that must be it. Yeah, I mean, I just think we need to adopt a kind of Lord of the Rings situation where we're like spawning refs out of like the pits of of something, you know, where they're just they're just built that way already. They don't care. They don't feel anything. They're just there to do the rules. They're just there to do the deed. And, uh, <laughs> and I would do I would do my Urukai voice now, but that one's a, that's a kind of a, a gruff, rough voice to uh, to do over on a, a podcast. <laughs> Right, exactly. And so Ed Hockley is definitely the the head. The head. <laughs> they pull out Ed Hockley, <laughs> and then he he strangles the other ref. <laughs> yeah, he comes out of the. Oh boy. Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. Yes, yes. I had to do it. I love That's I love that line. So I did. He just chops off his head, and they're like, "You guys are lunatics. You're all cannibals." Like that. That is a great evil character right there. The orcs and the the Uruk-hai. Yeah, there's no way to not be both like disgusted and afraid of them. It's yeah. it's a great. There's so oh, man, dude, rewatching the Lord of the Rings. This is so not relevant to our podcast, but like rewatching that and the just insane makeup work that they did on those movies for those creatures is it it holds up 20 years later just so well and it's so goddamn impressive. Right. I agree. I I agree and and it is, you know what? This is about the podcast because when we started this, we said, you know, we're going to talk a lot of sports, but we're going to be like two, you know, two guys at a bar and the conversation's going to go where it goes. And it's not always about sports. And it, and and I think that's what makes us unique, you know? And so look, if we can't gonna... talk about Lord of the Rings, then what the hell can we talk about? Right. Then what are we doing? <laughs> then what are we doing here? <laughs> oh. All right, so let's get into another new section that I have. I'm just I'm I'm with all the new ex new sections today. I, I was feeling I was feeling new to I don't know what happened, but I was feeling like uh, trying some things out. So Dude, uh, it's season three, you know. You got to bring the new elements. It's season three. All right. Well, like any good sports team, you know, before we dive right into the conversation, we got We got to get a little warm up in. You know, got you got a little warm up. You know, so Matt, grab your gear because we're kicking it off with some discussion about college basketball action. Obviously, we had a uh, podcast earlier this week that talked about college basketball, but there's been some some stuff that's gone down. And so uh, let me just tell you some of it, and we'll, we'll give our reactions. Obviously, there was Michigan State upsetting Duke 76-69. to 69. Uh, Rocket Watts with 20 points. Julius Marble with an additional 12 to help the Spartans. They are, have a 3-0 start. What do you think Michigan State can do this season? How are you feeling about them, Matthew? Yeah, I I don't know. It's that that whole Champions Classic this year. I mean, they're all ranked, but it, they're always going to be ranked. It, it felt underwhelming to me. I, I I really don't have a lot of faith in Duke and Kentucky, and, and I think Michigan State and Kansas. I feel kind of the same way about both of them. Where it's Tom Izzo and it's Bill Self. I, I like the end of the day, they're going to be a threat to make a run in the, in the tournament because they're just two of the best coaches in the country. But I'm not sure for either team, like who's the player that you can go to to get you a bucket when you really need to, you know, who's going to be the Cassius Winston or the Frank, Frank Mason that, that we've seen from these two teams before, because right now I'm not sure either of them have it, you know, for Kansas, you might say a guy like Marcus Garrett, but he's certainly more of a, a defensive stopper than a guy that's going to get you a bucket. Uh, maybe Langford, Joshua Langford for, for Michigan state coming back. Uh, and I know they got some freshman talent, but I, they, 
it's like Michigan State's going to finish in the top four of the Big Ten because their coach is Tom Izzo, and that's just what he does. Um, but I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure they're up to the Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin echelon um, of of the Big Ten this year. Can I tell you how much joy that just that statement just brought me? That you said they're not up to the Iowa echelon. I was just like, yeah, they're not. It's yeah, a weird. It's a weird sentence to say. Yeah, it really, really is. All right. Well, a little more exciting of a matchup. We talked about it, and it did not disappoint. We had our first top five matchup with Baylor beating Illinois, eighty-two to sixty-nine. Uh, you know, it, it, we said you know one of these teams is probably a contender, and one is a pretender. And it was Baylor that came out on top in this one. They had some great defense and some offensive power coming as well. Eighteen points from Adam Flagler. I mean, how do you think they stack up? They go against Baylor. I mean, they go against Gonzaga this Saturday. So how do you think they stack up one versus two against the Zags? It's such a, I mean, I was, my dad asked me this question on the side and he's like, if, you know, who, if you had to pick someone, I, I think I would go Gonzaga, but it's such a, it's going to be such a great matchup because for how much we've talked about and how great the Zags are on offense, I feel kind of that way about Baylor and their defense. they they have five guys that are great on-ball defenders. They're terrific on help defense. They just that, – that game to me just showed – like we know the weakness of Baylor. That It's kind of the same thing I was saying about KU and Michigan State. Do they have that guy that can get a bucket? They had a couple guys that that were making plays offensively that, that, uh, that evening. But they're just – they might be just the best team. Like there were parts in that game where Baylor was getting down on defense uh, on, on Desumu – and the bench was just going crazy just because of the defensive effort. Like the team cohesion they have is astounding, especially in comparison to a team like Illinois that most of the game, it looked like they were playing one on five, you know, like Adesumu and Frazier, they, they were just out looking for their own shot, not looking how to make the team better. And that just epitomizes Baylor and, and just kind of the culture that Scott Drew's built there. So I, I lean towards Gonzaga getting this win because as they showed this week, they've got five different guys that can be a leading scorer and and kind of make their own shot. But they, it's it's just going to be such a fun offense versus defense matchup, uh, and it, it's going to go down to the wire. I, I would be surprised if if either team it, like pulls away at, at any point in this game. It it, it just feels like it's going to be. Gonzaga makes a play, Baylor makes a play, just back and forth. So I can't wait, and I love it because the fact that one of them will lose means that I was going to be ranked number two next week. So it's kind of a, it also just benefits the, the Hawks by a way of subtraction, but I, I can't wait for the game. I'm leaning towards Gonzaga to win, but, uh, but we'll see. And, and it really would be, I think a moment where, I mean, obviously they're ranked number two. Baylor is a national champion contender, but a win against Gonzaga this weekend really makes, you know, a massive statement for them as a team. What, where do you see from that game? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to pick Baylor after that game. Like you said, I mean, they didn't just beat Illinois. They outplayed them at every corner in defense, in offense, too. And and that was kind of amazing to see. I mean, defense, we expect it, right? But offense with Ayo DeSumo and, and, and Frazier. And honestly, like, what was it? It was a disappointing effort from the Illinois uh, offense. I was very disappointed with the entire team's kind of cohesion. But also, like you said, Ayo DeSumo was like, he had 18 points, which was great. But I just felt like... Ah, like he was out there like in, in gym Six ball. Six for 18 shooting. Yeah, I just felt like he was just like not at, efficient. Exactly. Like I just felt like, oh, wow, this kid's young. Like that's what I saw. I was like, this kid's young. Like he he is really immature with his game. And so, 
you know, it, it, that has a lot to say about the fighting uh, Eleni as well. But, you know, I, I really Baylor outclassed them. And so it made me think, you know, I'm thinking Rocky Four. I'm like, cut him. Bleed. He's a man. He's a man. That's what I'm thinking with, with Gonzaga. I, I hope they can do it. I really do. But Wonderful uh, Rocky Four reference. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we're just bringing out all the all the classic movie references. This yeah, time. truly. It's real great. Um, no, but yeah, I, 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 I have to pick Gonzaga because when you are the best and you have yet to show that you're not, then you have, you, you, you earn my benefit of the doubt. Even if I'm excited about another team, you know, I, I would pick Gonzaga against anyone. I would pick them against us. Even if Garza, you know, does a hat, like averages 35 points a game, just because they're Gonzaga and they have to, they have earned that. You know, so I, I do leave Gonzaga. That game, but. that game against West Virginia was was so impressive. Like, yeah, you you have your All American Corey Kispert in foul trouble most of the first half. Jalen Suggs, the five star big recruit, twisting his ankle out for most of the first half. Tim even struggled in the first half. I think he had like two field goals. And then, but it's Nimhar that you know takes control of their offense. It's it's a uh, Ayayi who ends up as being the twenty one point leading scorer. Tim turns it around in the second half. Even Kispert ended up getting nineteen. Like just the fact that you can take the, you know, their two players that kind of get the most headlines from their lineup. And then there's still three different guys that can go get their own shot. That is an embarrassment of riches. Right. It is. So I, I still go, I still lean that way, but I, you know, I definitely think Baylor with a good game, you know, could, could, could definitely, I, you're right. It's going to go down the wire. So I'm excited for sure. I mean, Saturday is going to be epic. I'm, I'm very excited about that. Uh, another result that happened in the Maui Invitational, kind of an upset. Texas upsetting UNC on a buzzer beater by Matt Coleman the third. Matt Coleman the third with 22 points, kind of was duking it out with Garrison Brooks on the other side, who had 18 points. You know, first question for you: Can Texas compete in the Big 12? Where do you find them? You know, competing in the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Texas absolutely can. I think, I think Baylor. Baylor uh, is is clearly the best team, but I, from what I've seen from West Virginia and Kansas, there's nothing in my mind that that really separates them from Texas. And we know how good of a, a coach Shaka Smart is. Like it's kind of been with Texas, and it's funny we felt this way about their football team for a long time. It was just like, all right, when when are these coaches and all this talent going to work out? It's still early, and and I do think North Carolina is a team that you know I I already mentioned how I just feel like the ACC's a little down this year and wide open, so. Might not be the Carolina of old, but a win over Carolina is a win over Carolina regardless. And uh, I, I think Texas has it. I mean, they've got a great guard play, um, and and you you got to love Shaka Smart. So I think they've got a, a great chance. And that the top four of that Big 12, top five maybe even, depending on, on if Texas Tech, they usually get better in the year just because Chris Beard is somebody that uses the transfer portal so much. Um, but they, like that's – four or five teams at the top that are all have a real legitimate chance to take home the, the big 12 crown. Yeah, I agree. I mean, of, of course you got to give Baylor, you know, they got to mess up before you have someone saying they can compete with Baylor, but I agree. Texas with the, and Texas, Texas has another, another uh, test Sunday. They get to go up against Nova. So another chance, like I think the win against Nova will convince me far more than, than the win against North Carolina did not just because Villanova's uh, you know, I think the better team, but you, you get this big win at the Maui Invitational over North Carolina. Now, how do you react to that? Do you, do you go and, and kind of feed off that or is there a letdown because you feel like you've already accomplished something? So I think Sunday will, will tell us a lot about the Longhorns. 
Right. And Texas, you know, kind of showing what we were talking about earlier with Baylor, they got great bench mentality too. They're a great team together. And uh, in that, in that game against UNC, you saw it, you saw it. And it, uh, it, it felt like they were the favorites, even though they obviously were not. What about UNC? You know, we talked about the ACC being weak. Does this kind of compound your idea or do you think the U- UNC is probably not even, you know, in the competition for the ACC at this point? I think, I think they're in it. I think, you know, again, I, Virginia, because of their style of play over you know such a long season, it, it's it really is tough to beat them. You know, many times. Uh, I don't I don't know what Tony Bennett's record is at Virginia conference wise the last few years, but I don't think I remember them losing more than three games over the last like five years each season in conference play. So they seem like the favorite, but but yeah, everyone just seems a little down. And then you got a team like Virginia Tech who might be better than expected. Um, Georgia Tech and Boston College, who some people were high on, look pretty like they're not going to be anything. Um, but yeah, I, and then of course Florida State. I always love Leonard Hamilton. I, I think the ACC is wide open, um, and I and I don't think I don't see really even an Elite Eight team out of the ACC. So you know, like na- nation national championship wise, I don't know if the ACC is going to have its uh, you know normal kind of say in the things. But it should be a wide open uh, conference this year, and and you know. It's so early in the season where we haven't, you know, we're still figuring out where every team lies. So it's like, oh, is this a good win? Is this a bad win? So the the ACC Big Ten uh, challenge, I think, because I think we're all convinced, you know, the top of the Big the, the Big Ten is, in my eyes, easily the best conference. So the ACC can show its, its grit a little bit if uh, it's able to compete in that challenge a little bit more. But I personally think the Big 12 or Big Ten is going to handle it pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, again, Big Ten's got three great teams up there, uh, if not many, many more, but three, definitely three uh, standout teams in uh, the Illini, Iowa and Wisconsin. Uh, yeah. And let's let's talk about Iowa to finish off this section. They win 99 to 58 over Western Illinois. Luca Garza with a 35 point double double. Jack Nunge with 18 points off the bench. Patrick McCaffrey also doing well with 10 points off the bench. Wieskamp with 11 in the starting lineup. You know, they got three straight 25-plus point blowouts and obviously weaker opposition. You know, that's definitely something to talk about. My question is, you know, we we, we love Luca Garza. You know, he's been doing things that are just absolutely unheard of. You know, it, it, he had 30 points in, like, what, the first the first quarter of the first half? I mean, it was ridiculous. Uh so, but my question is, can, how do the Hawkeyes make up for when Garza is eventually triple team? Like some team is going to try it. Some team is going to triple team Garza. I don't know if it's going to work, but they're going to. So how do they, how do they, do you think there's enough I mean, firepower on the outside? hundred percent. I mean, I mean, good, good luck if you do that. I, I think everyone's going to have to to double team Luca. And I think a lot of these, these weaker opponents uh, they didn't double team him quite as much because I think the coaches kind of looked at it and like, look, we're we're not going to stop him if we double team him. So let's just let's just play our game. Let's get into what we're going to look like this season. Uh, so yeah, the competition is going to certainly go up for him. And I, and I agree with you where a triple and a double like team are, are going to be frequent for this guy. But you know, as an Iowa Iowa fan, we kind of looked at like Wieskamp as as being really the easy number two, and he probably should be the second best player on the court for us each night. But I don't think he has to be the second leading scorer each night. And I think, you know, Nunji showed that last night. We've seen the offensive game that Patrick McCaffrey has. 
Frederick's kind of started the season slow, but we know he can fill it up. Even a guy like Toussaint, Toussaint's looking for his shot more, attacking the the, the rim. So I I think that bodes better for us than than the fact that it would be like, oh, Garza's having a bad game. Let's turn to Joe. I think now it's like, oh, Garza, or you know, not having a bad game, but getting challenged because I don't think he's going to have a bad game. Uh, I, I, he doesn't have to turn to just one player. I think there's going to be so many different guys. The lineup that excited me last night so much was when it was Garza at the five, Nunji at the four, Pat McCaffrey at the three. You got a six nine guy at the three and two seven footers on on the court. Like that, there's not many teams size wise that's going to be able to match up with that. And you know, we we have to give so much credit, so much love to Jack Jack Nunji and, and the entire Nunji family. Uh, just from a basketball perspective, the guy, it's his first game in, in like two years. So great to see him out there for that. And also, of course, just uh, went through a, a terrible loss, losing his father. Um, so the heart that, you know, he had to, to come out there and, and just play and, and be the second leading scorer, you, you have to applaud it. Uh, and when we absolutely wish him and his family the best because he's a 21-year-old kid. Um, so that's, that's a, it's a tough, tough thing to deal with. And um, the maturity that he's been dealing with it, is astounding. And so we wish him the best and can't wait to see on the court more because the, he looked great last night. He started slow, but he hadn't played for two years. Nobody's like, I like that Fran threw him out there and said, just play through it, play, you know, get back to the flow of the game. And and by the end of the game, you know, 18 points, a couple threes uh, and, and length and size that you just, you can't teach. So great game for him. and, And we wish you the best. Oh, for sure. Well, you just lead me right into my next section of this. We talk college basketball. Uh, now, you know, we've brought our gear over from the shed. We're in the middle of the field. It's time to partner up. And what we're going to do is we're going to give a shout out for the week. Uh, I'm going to start off. Minnesota United somehow. Let's I, I go. Mean, I, they had such a good season. So it's not even like it's out of nowhere. It's not like there's some crazy small team. But, but if you just think about what Minnesota United started as, it started as a fan dream in Minnesota to have an MLS team. Like, it, it wasn't Atlanta United who had a billion jillion dollars and, like, every recruited player from South America that they possibly could have. No, no, no. They were a homegrown, and I'm not shitting on Atlanta United. They, they also did really well. Obviously, the things that they did were remarkable. But it, but, it had some, but it had some financial advantages. They had certainly. some financial advantages, you know? <laughs> when you're playing in, in the Superdome, like, you're you're starting off pretty well. Right. And Minnesota United, I remember I was like, that's so cool. They have a team. They're playing on this turf in, like, some college. You know, it's so great to, to watch them play. But they were, you know, they finished fourth in, 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 the, in the standings in the Western Conference. No one expected them to have a chance. You got the Sounders in that conference. You had the LAFC in that conference. You had Sporting KC, who finished uh, first, obviously, in that conference, and so many other great teams. And what do they do? They come out. The, the first game, you know, they beat the Rapids, which was also not guaranteed. The Rapids had a good team, had some uh, trouble in terms of, uh, you know, COVID problems canceling their game. So that's something that was unfortunate for the Rapids. But then they come out. And then they're, they're in the Western semis and they're playing the number one. They're playing Sporting Kansas City, who they're not a team of stars, fair enough, but they are the most compact, most just efficient and hard to break down team. And what do they do? They absolutely break them down. They win three to zero. It wasn't close. Western Conference Finals now on the way for them. And, you know, I have to also give a shout out there to Kevin Molino and Emmanuel Reynoso. Reynoso with three assists in that game, Molino with a brace. 
You know, they lead this resurgent loons team and they're playing the Sounders. And let me tell you, Matt, I don't favor the Sounders so, so much in that game. I really, really don't because this is a team that plays really well together. They're exciting to watch. I wouldn't be surprised if we're, if they're hosting an MLS cup this year. I certainly hope they are. Plus, plus two, like the Sounders, the, like it's like you said on the Instagram story, like the Sounders crew, it, it's had such a, in a not a very old league, that's such a boring final because it's like, yeah, them again, like, come on. So I, I have Minnesota has my full support. I like was going to adopt them as my MLS team before we, you know, you and I became NYCFC fans because my sister's up in Minneapolis, but love that result by them last night. Also, I need to, uh, to correct myself before the city of Atlanta attacks me. The Superdome is in new Orleans. I apologize. I, I mean, Mercedes Benz stadium. So please don't attack me Atlanta. Yeah, that was rough. That's a rough, that's a rough. <laughs> the worst, like the worst cities to get mixed up new Orleans yeah. and Atlanta. So apologize. I uh, got a, a, enough shout out as well. I know I shouted out Nunji, but I actually have another Hawk. It's, it's just a, a Hawkeye day for me. Got to give some love to the biggest basketball recruit in Iowa basketball history, men's or women's, Caitlin Clark, ex-Dowling, alumni like myself, so representing the high school, was easily a consensus top five recruit, maybe even the top recruit in her class. Huge decision staying in state and becoming a Hawkeye, and she's already proven to be one of the best players in women's college basketball, uh, and maybe just college, but probably just college basketball. Uh, first game against you and I, she drops 27 points, grabs eight rebounds with four assists. She follows that up against, against Drake with 30 points and 13 dimes and didn't even shoot that well. Like from deep, she was three for 10. So not a great shooting day from there, but from two point field goal range, nine from nine, just a ridiculous, like as I watch her, like it's in a ridiculous amount of basketball acumen and like her feel for the game as a freshman is astounding. I, I don't remember many college players that I've, I've been like oh, holy crap not not only are you like the most skilled player out there you're the smartest one like your understanding of the game is worlds beyond the even the seniors on your team so if you enjoy watching basketball go watch Caitlin Clark because she is damn good and and has the Iowa women's team looking looking good not not quite as good as our men's team yet but uh, she'll get us there so Caitlin Clark getting some love Oh, yeah. And you're going to hear us talk about Caitlin Clark. Matt's texted me about Caitlin Clark so much. He's just like, you got to see this. He's so good. I love the high school love, though, because I got the McCaffrey brothers who who are from my high school, actually, in Iowa. So and they are obviously playing for the men's Hawks. uh, You know, different situation. Fran is the coach at Iowa. (laughs) So that becomes different. But still, it's cool to see. It's cool. We're glad they're there. We are glad they are there. Glad to have you both. All right, and finally, we're going to get some wind sprints in. You know, stretch those hammies, get some wind sprints in. What I'm going to do, we're going to cover some big news from the sports world, and we're going to get through it, okay? And you just give me some thoughts about them, okay, Matthew? Let's do it. Anthony Davis agreeing to a max deal with the Lakers. Five years, $190 million. Big man gets paid. What do we think about the deal? Should he? Does he deserve more? <laughs> does he deserve more, maybe even? <laughs> Probably, probably. But, uh, you know, Anthony Davis, he's also young enough where he knows he, like, he'll probably get another max deal in five years or, or maybe even four years because I know there's – I think there's a, a player option for the fifth. But, yeah, I mean, this was a deal that even if the Lakers hadn't won, I, the writing seemed pretty on the wall. Like, Anthony Davis forced his way out of New Orleans to go to L.A. And and you join a franchise like the Lakers, like – I. 
did any of us really expect him to join it for you know a year and be like, you know what? I don't really love playing for the best franchise in basketball with maybe the best player of all time. I, I'm I'm good. So it's uh, a nice deal. Congratulations to him, and and I think certainly uh, bad news for the rest of the league um, because the partnership of of Anthony da- like Anthony Davis is just getting to his prime, and um, LeBron scary. and LeBron is like just the way he plays and his basketball IQ. Like he's he's not going anywhere. So there can be a changing of the guard where Anthony Davis becomes be the guy and LeBron's still an extremely good number two. And like the Lakers are, it's another Lakers dynasty, which uh, tell me if you've heard that before. Yeah, it's annoying and I'm mad that it happened, but here we are. Here we are. Okay. Next big news. Also from the NBA, the Rockets deal, their star, not James Harden. It's Russell Westbrook. They send the perennial point guard to DC for John Wall in a first round pick. I mean, who wins this trade? Does either team lose? Was this a good trade? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good trade because, like, we we knew Russ was gonna was gonna leave, and the Russ Harden experiment was always stupid to me. Like, they're, they're just too ball heavy of guys. So, I, I I think it's a good trade in that sense, and I, and I think it. I really think this could be a trade where both win. I think the Rockets are getting more headlines, but you know, I. John Wall has to stay healthy. While, while I think the Wizards immediately, especially in the East, like I, I was talking about the Russell getting traded to the Knicks and him get, going there would immediately make them a playoff threat in the East. Now the Wizards should easily make the playoffs with with Dottis Burtons, Bradley Beal, and Russell Westbrook. Like then the starless Nets and the Orlando Magic made the playoffs last year. So I, I think the Wizards. It's you know it'll take time to see how well the Rockets have won, but I think the Wizards have, have really won out in this one immediately, becoming not a, quite a contender, but they're, they're a playoff team in the East now without a doubt. And I and I think Bradley Beal, I think both duos now fit better. Well, I shouldn't say that because the Wall Beal duo I thought fit well, um, but the Russell the Russell Beal duo I think can work really well, and I think a Wall Harden duo could work really well. Right. I agree. I think both duos that have been created are just so they work so much better than we thought. I mean, because we knew like we didn't know and we hoped maybe not to see something exciting. But we knew when Russell was traded to Houston, it was going to create issues. I mean, we knew it was like a, it was a great little duo to create, but it wasn't like KD and Kyrie where they play different games. so They can be complimentary. It's like two of the same player. And like, yeah. what are you trying to they do need there? Ball. They need the ball and neither really plays defense. Come yeah, on. I, like they both they both want to have the ball in their hands at all times. Like it just wasn't a good partnership. I think I think the Rockets I I could maybe would say would be the loser in it because if their thinking is, oh, this John Wall and, and first round pick are gonna be enough to keep James, I don't think that's the case. Like if that's what Rockets are banking on in this trade, then I would probably call them a loser. But getting John Wall in a first round pick is still a good thing. It's just, if your goal in the trade is to keep James Harden long-term, I still don't know if that's going to happen be just because of this trade. Right. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with James Harden when we'll, we'll obviously be following that and update everybody as it goes along. My final piece, my final wind sprint for the <clears throat> warm up section here, kind of a funny one involves some sports, but uh, it's just ridiculous, and I wanted to hear Matt's reaction because I have a feeling it's going to be funny. Uh, Le'Veon Bell tweets. How, le- like, let's let's talk about Le'Veon Bell tweeting. That happens 
and it's always funny. Well, this time it's really funny. Le'Veon Bell this week tweeted at Jake Paul and says, set it up. That's right. Jake Paul, the YouTube star, knocked out Nate Robinson, says it's his goal to defeat Conor McGregor. Le'Veon Bell says, set it up. I want to fight him. Who do we take in that fight? <laughs> well, I mean, I thought no chance Jake Paul beats a XD1 cornerback an NBA athlete, but Nate Robinson, I'm sorry, your three slam dunk championships are are non-existent now. You are a zero-time slam dunk champion after getting slam dunked by a YouTube star on the mat. Like, wh- whatever Nate Robinson did, it's erased from history in sports. This is all he is now. And all I'm saying is, Le'Veon Bell, is if you're going to get in this fight, you better train, because I'm not a fan of any YouTube star, but Jake Paul clearly took that fight seriously. Like, he was like, yeah, I'm going to keep training. Like, train as a boxer and actually be ready for the sport that we're competing in. While I think Nate Robinson was like, Oh, I'm a good athlete. I'll be able to take this guy where it's like, it's not a street fight. So Le'Veon Bell should be able to beat him, but he better get in the ring and and know how to box because Jake Paul clearly does. Right. I mean, talk about a fight though, where I just want someone to get punched in the face, right? (laughs) Like, I just want one person, I don't care who, just someone get punched in the face, please. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, we'll see if that fight happens. And we probably won't cover it, but we'll definitely make a comment if it does. <laughs> that's just going to be it. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's it. We've we've done our sprints. We've warmed up. And now it's time for the main course. All right, Matthew, we start. With the champions. They're probably going to sue us. <laughs> they freaking will. I mean, come on. If Champions League uh, committee, if you think that's like a good rendition of your song, like you, like, then I, then what I, also, me, also how, as normal when we talk about something like this, we're like, how did you find our podcast? Who in the Champions League got this podcast to somebody in the Champions League thing? It's like, hey, you got to, you got to listen to these two guys from, from Iowa, they live in New York now. I, you're gonna love this podcast. Oh man, yeah, seriously. And uh, for that work, I'll take that. I'll I'll go to court for that. That'll give us some good cred. That'll give us hey, some good cred. Not uh, all press is good press. Yeah, that's fair. Unless unless it's our press, which is would be any press. So there you go. There you go. We'll just take the press. We'll take the press, any of any, just give it to us. All right, so the Champions League, we finished match day five, a lot of interesting scenarios. It's really interesting, as I was breaking this up, how we're going to talk about it, I thought at first, I was like, oh man, I think I gave myself all the interesting scenarios. And then I looked at yours and I was like, wait, I think you might have more. I don't know what's going on. They're all, there's so many good groups at, you know, going into the final match day. Uh, and how oh, it works. I'm excited. It's going to be, it's going to be killer. Some teams are going to be out. Some teams are going to be out and it's going to be really interesting to see who is left on the outside going to the Europa League, uh, and competing for Sibia's trophy. Uh, yeah, there's going to be some good teams in the Europa League this year. Yeah. They're going to be every other team's like, Oh, come on. The year Sevilla doesn't make it and freaking Real Madrid is in it. Come on. That's yeah. not fair. <laughs> that's are you not- kidding me? We had one year, and you took it from us, you jerks. <laughs> oh, man. Sevilla okay. has to be so disappointed. They're like, what are we doing? So we how we, we, we cannot win the Champions League, but we have we have the Europa League. That was the whole point. We have the Europa League, and we don't have to compete the Champions League. 
But how, no, do we we get, to- how do we get to the Europa League after we get kicked out of the round of 16? Like, no, you can't, Sevilla. Like, uh, what, what the hell did we do? Well, <laughs> we should have dropped those games against Krasnodar. Right. You know what it was? It was have you ever seen The Incredibles? The, you've seen The Incredibles, yeah? No, I haven't. Of course I've seen The Incredibles. Okay, so it's the ending scene where Dash is running too far ahead. They're like, <laughs> no, stop, make it close. They slow down. <laughs> Dude, I hate that scene, though, because I'm just like, why can't he win? He can still be the fastest. Like, there's a pretty big gap from him being the fastest and him being superhero fast. Like, he gets, like, third or something, and it makes me so mad. Wow. Now we all know, Matt, who's who he's going to be as a father. That's, that's, that's a if real... If you can win, you should win. <laughs> there you go. Matt's kid's not taking any breaks. He is uh-huh. on the court at 5 in the morning. All right, well, let's get into it. <laughs> let's just... Well, if he's a superhero, then yeah, sure. Like, if he doesn't get tired, then yeah. Yeah, Matt's going to be like, hey, hey, you know what I would do with superpowers, kid? You have no excuses. I'd win the race, at least. That's fair. That's fair. All right, Group A, let's just get my Bayern talk out of the way early, shall we? Okay, so Bayern Munich, they kind of had a stranglehold of this group early on. You know, the first game against Atletico where they won 4-0 kind of showed us how this group would go. It has not really deviated too much. Um, but there is an interesting situation going on uh, for the last match day. So let me just take you through the results. Uh, Salzburg playing Lokomotiv in kind of like a who's going to make the Europa League situation, or so we thought. Uh, Salzburg sweeping past them 3-1. to Mergim Berisha with a brace to help. Salzburg to that victory and in the other game Bayern playing the second leg against Atletico Madrid really with their B squad I mean let me name some players that started for them this game Chupa Moting up front no Lewandowski RMB uh in the midfield Musa Sar in the midfield Musiala in the midfield Javi Martinez starting in the midfield as the rock kind of you know they didn't really did not play a lot of their players uh and Atletico Madrid did have the lead thanks to Joao Felix but Byron brought on Thomas Muller, and that's all they needed. Thomas Muller scores a late penalty. They get a draw in this one, which must just be disappointing for Atletico fans to see. Uh, and so the way that it stands, Byron currently, you know, first with 13, that's not going to change because the next highest is six. Uh, so they qualify as group winners. Atleti, though, has six, and they're still not in the clear because Salzburg has four points and Lokomotiv has three. So really... You know, it's going to be depending on the final match day. Bayern play Lokomotiv, and they're going to rest everyone because of their schedule. So that's kind of going to be that situation. So Lo- Lokomotiv might win. You know, they they really might. And so Don't I... Don't do that. I realize what you I'm doing. You know Lokomotiv's not going to win. Uh, they might. I don't know. They might get a point. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, no, but they, they need to win. They do need to win. Uh, that's true. But we'll They're see. not going mean, to beat Bayern. No, you're but right. But it is crazy. But it, like your point is made. Like it's, we did not imagine Atletico would be hanging on to second place coming into match day five or match right. day six. Pardon me. Exactly, and they play Salzburg on the final match day. So a draw or a win puts Atleti in. That's like the name of the game. A draw or a win, they're in. But man, Salzburg's got a chance to just make their own fate, and they could beat them. The way that Atletico has played in this Champions League. They could absolutely beat them. I'm not saying they will. I don't think they will, but they could for sure. And so I, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. And if you're looking for an upset to happen, look no further than Group A. I think that's definitely one that's going to surprise people, uh, more people than it should, uh, given how Atletico has performed in this one. But yeah, 
Byron's through as group winners with one game to go. Cheers to the repeat on its way. Good and true. It it's it's kind of looking that way. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that that Salzburg Atleti game. But of course, like you say, all Atletico needs is a draw. And as disappointing as they've been, they have three draws. Like Diego Simeone somehow always pulls out at least like like all I need is a one-one draw. Perfect. That's that's my go-to one-zero or one-one is my go-to scoreline as the Atletico Madrid manager. So they'll probably be fine. But I you know Salzburg's got a, a strong attacking team, and you know they're with everything to play for. You, you have to expect that they'll be uh, uh, attacking, playing, you know, quite an attacking game of football. So it'll be a fun one. Uh, I am going to take us over to what's probably been the most boring group to watch. Although, you know, Group G probably could make you that argument. But I'm going to start with Group E. Chelsea has all but won the group. They've got a three-point lead over Sevilla after their 4-0 win over the Spanish side. Uh, and the reason they have kind of locked it up, even though they're only three points ahead, is that 4-0 win has given them a plus 12 goal differential while Sevilla now uh, sits at plus one. So barring uh, a 6-0 defeat by Chelsea and and a 6-0 win for Sevilla, Chelsea's won this group and Sevilla has already clinched second place. In kind of a surprise though, sitting third is Krasnodar after a 1-0 win over a Ren team that, you know, when the French uh, Ligue 1 was starting, Ren was playing as good as anyone in France, but They've been pretty horrible in the Champions League. They've only got one point. They are still in it, uh, but uh, Ren's going up against Sevilla. Chelsea's going up against Krasnodar. This group seems to be pretty straightforward um, in what is, you know, a pretty favorable group for Chelsea. Like, that's not not the toughest group in the world, but they've still looked pretty well. Uh, But, yeah, Chelsea's going to win, Sevilla in second, and uh, it looks like Krasnodar will be making their way to the Europa League. Right. I mean, those teams are always hard to play. Krasnodar and Locomotive and all of that. And it's... Uh, those trips always, to Russia, man. Those trips to Russia. It's it's from Russia with love. That's what that's what it is, really. Nice. Uh, oh, I'm, kill- I'm on a... We're on a movie tear. We're on a movie tear. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, okay, so I'm going to also take us... All right, so you, you said a boring group, so let me just get the boring out of the way. I'm going to go to Group C, where I'm just, who cares, honestly, guys, honestly. Uh, it's Man Which is City disappointing. Group. It should have right. been a, funner, a better group. Yeah, it, sh- it, sh- it should have, really, because, you know, you have Marseille, who did some stuff in the Champions League last year. You have Porto, who's always a good challenge, and they, they've lived up to that, to be completely honest. Uh, but, you know, and... They, it, it's been Man City's group. Uh, although the point total would not like, I'm not saying that because they're so far ahead. They really aren't. But like, just in terms of like actually thinking that something could happen, I, you know, that, that is low on the totem pole in my mind anyway. Uh, but yeah, in this, in this match day five, Porto got a boring zero, zero draw with Manchester city. Uh, VAR disallowed a goal by Gabriel Jesus late on, but that was basically all the action in the game. Um, Marseille, meanwhile, getting their first points of the group, winning two to one over Olympiacos. They had a brace of of penalty goals by Dimitri Payet, which was interesting. They got two penalties in one game. I don't see that very often, unless your name is uh, Bruno Fernandez, and uh, <laughs> unless you play for Manchester United, and then it happens all the time. Yeah, and then uh, it's the uh, only way you score goals, and then it's the only way you win. Uh, so. Manchester City in the lead right now with 13 points. They just need a point for the first place. But Porto's got 10 points. 
You know, they 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 qualified. Uh, they do need like a huge win and a Man City loss to grab top spots. So it's probably not going to happen, but good for Porto to keep it, you know, somewhat close and not just get blown out. Uh, Olympiacos with three points, they're out of it. Marseille with three points, they're out of it. They both can still qualify for the Europa League. So that's kind of the competition aspect we'll be looking for in Group C. <laughs> On the last day, Man City plays Marseille. Like I said, just need to draw to clinch first. Uh, Marseille just need to perform better than Olympiacos by two goals. So, <clears throat> you know, they need to perf- perform better and make up the goal differential. So that's kind of what's going to be the difference. Porto, meanwhile, uh, play Olympiacos. You know, I I think probably Marseille will end up in that third spot. I do think they're the better team. Uh, They have been playing like they're the better team, but I think I I don't. I think they will probably not lose as much to Man City as maybe Olympiacos will to Porto, just because Porto I think is is just flying on all cylinders, and Man City is going to be resting players because they're a Premier League team that needs to rest players anywhere they can. So I I think that that's probably what's going to happen, but. Yeah, that gives boring. Man City, Porto through, like we thought would happen. Take us over to the next one, my friend. You got it. I did the the club of Porto, I wish I wish they were in a, a bigger country because if the transfer market didn't exist, didn't exist. Por- Porto would be the best team in world soccer. And I don't even know if it was close. I remember I read an article once that like it ranked like the top ten clubs on how much money they'd made on sales right. in the last like decade or so. And Dortmund and, and Ajax were like kind of like solid up there at two and three, but like Porto had was so much had made so much more money, and like the list of players that have been through there is it's absurd. They are such a great club at, at finding talent and and like helping it be- get better. I can't think of the exact word that I'm thinking of, but like their their talent development. There we go. Is is it's astounding. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna keep us with another. Boring group. I mentioned Group G already. A little more exciting than the than Group E because there's been the, the back and forth with Barcelona and Juventus of, of who would win. They do battle on match day six, but Juventus is going to need a pretty big win to uh, to win the group. Barcelona right now sitting with 15 points. Juve's got 12 points, but Barcelona has a seven-goal advantage when it comes, comes to get goal differential. So Juve would need to beat Barcelona by four goals to, to uh, win the group and overcome them. So looks pretty clear that Barca will be winning the group and Juventus in second. That is a, a pretty crappy prize to get for whatever group winner has to play Cristiano Ronaldo and Juve. Like that, that's, that sucks. <laughs> I would like, like it. Oh, Hey, you won your group. Great job. You have to play one of the probably still favorites in this. If you know, we're making a list of five teams. I, I don't think anyone's going to keep Juve out of that five, even, uh, you know, even if they lose to Barcelona in the next match. Uh, and then at the bottom, it's Dynamo Kiev and Ferenc Bakos. Uh, I think Kiev will probably win that one. Uh, kind of like Russia, you know, the, these Ukrainian teams are, they're, they're tough to go up against. Um, and they're both sitting at one point. Um, Kiev is minus 10, the goal differential while uh, Ferenc Bakos is minus 11. So it is, it is neck and neck, but it seems I would be surprised if Kiev isn't able to get the the home win on that match day six, but Barcelona already really won the group uh, and Juve too. And, and both of them, I think still though, look as, as good as, I mean, besides Bayern, who I think clearly marked themselves as, as the best and being defending champs. I think Barca and Juve are, are right in that next tier of, of who could win this. So kind of a boring group, but um, two teams that 
we expect to, to, to get a little more noise from in the knockout rounds. Yeah, I mean, of course, Juventus Barcelona. We knew they would probably both qualify. If if they didn't, then something had gone terribly wrong. Um, there were going to be lots of firings. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, and so, you know, good to see them doing what we expected them to. And yeah, whoever plays that second place is going to be, you know, absolutely pissed. <laughs> absolutely pissed. And so uh, I hope it's not us. That's all I'm saying. I really, really do. I hope it's not us. I would hate that. It's time for City to get a, an unlucky draw. City yeah. gets the luckiest draw. They've replaced us as I remember when Man U used to get the luckiest draws in the Champions League. And now it's been City. So time for City to pay for all those lucky draws of like low level French teams and stuff and, and get a challenge in the round of 16. Seriously though. Ugh, unbelievable. Anyway, let's go to an exciting group then. Shall we? I'm going to go to, you know, I'm going to leave the best for last. So yeah, I'm going to go to group D. I'm going to go got, to group. You got to leave that for last. Yeah, absolutely. But I am going to go to group D, which was an interesting group going in, right? It's Liverpool. It's Atalanta obviously made some noise in champions league and the Serie A last season still making noise. And you have Ajax, who's just a perennial great team. I mean, you talked about them when you talked about Porto already. Ajax, another one of those teams that if the transfer market didn't exist, good luck because they would be just absolutely dominant. They would be Barcelona. That's what they would be. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, they has Laton and Suarez on that team at some point. So it's just ridiculous. Even just the semifinal team they had of like last year or a couple of years ago, that's now just all gone because of all like, just a great club at, at development. Right. And uh, and then, of course, you did have FC Midiayand, uh in there, you know, just excited to be there, uh, the Belgian team. And so uh, I, I think that, it, it, yeah, it, it, it's been it, it's been an interesting group, right? Because Liverpool not performed as well, but gotten results. Ajax performing well, Atalanta not performing well, and then also like performing out of their mind. It's kind of everybody's been up and down. Uh, so here's how things stand. In, in match day five, Liverpool edging out Ajax 1-0. Uh, you know, had some young bucks in there, and it was a solitary, well-worked goal that was finished off by Curtis Jones to secure the Reds, the points. You know, Ajax actually had more possession, though, so it was not like Liverpool just scored one goal. It was, you know, it was definitely back and forth, and Ajax had a chance there, but they lose 1-0. And in the other game, Matt, we talked about it, whether this would happen. We said every team's going to have at least six points because they're going to get two wins against FC Midian, and the team that doesn't is going to be the one that gets out. And here it happened. Atalanta falls to an embarrassing, not to be mean to Midian, because it's freaking amazing that they did this, but it is an embarrassing 1-1 draw because you, as Atalanta, as a team that made it to the quarterfinals, how you can't score more than one goal against FC Midiayand, a team that is just ha- truly just happy to be there. Like, truly just We're happy just to happy be happy to be here. Like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's embarrassing. And so Alexander Schultz gets the famous goal for FC Midiayand, Christian Romero, equalizes late too. It's not like they got it, got the equalizer and couldn't find, they equalized late. They couldn't score against like until like the 79th minute to get it right. And when you have 19 shots on target, you score more than one goal. My friends, like unless, unless you got Dida in the goal over there, unless, you know, Lev Yashin has risen from the grave and is in the goal. You score more than two, one goal when you have 19 shots. That's like truly it. And so, uh, you know, Atalanta is still in second place, right? They have eight points. They're only behind Liverpool. Liverpool with 12. They've already qualified as late, as as group winners. Good for them. Uh, wasn't as straightforward as we thought, but they get the job done in, you know, good fashion for them. 
And Ajax has seven points, and FC Midian has one. And that's a famous point, and they'll, they'll rest their hat on that, right? And so Liverpool, you know, they're going to face FC Midian. They got the nice draw. Liverpool's going to rest their whole team and still beat them 4-0, as they should. And so the real game, and Adelana could have found themselves in a position where this didn't need to be the situation. They could be three points ahead of Ajax right now going into this last game. They could be three points ahead and only need to not lose, Right. But now they are they they are one point. So if Ajax wins, it's 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 clear Ajax is through. So they're tied on goal differential. You know, Atalanta has the one point on them. You know, and now Ajax needs just needs to win to progress, right? There's no there's nothing about it. If Ajax wins, they are through. And with that Ajax team, we know they're good. We know they can perform. I honestly, even though Atalanta has the has the more the better chance to make it, you know, because they just need to not lose basically. I, I still put my money on, on on Ajax. I do because I said it from the beginning. If there's a team that underperforms against this this little team, then they're going to be the one that goes out. So I think it hurt, hurts them, and I think Atalanta, rightfully so, go to the Europa League. Yeah, it's it is one of those things where it's like if if, if Atalanta even would have won two one, they a, a win for Ajax in this next match would would lose it for them. Uh, but uh, it, it's it's like you said, it's it's. Not even just like results wise, as much as just like mentality. Like how do you, how do you let that happen? And and like like you said, nineteen shots on goal. Like were you guys just passing it to the goalie? Like were were these were any of these were any of these shots like legitimate chances or like what what was going on here? So uh, yeah, I'm I love IX. So I uh, I mean I like Atalanta too, but I agree. I, I, I the those Dutchmen they they know how to get it done in the Champions League, even when they might not have the amount of, of talent of other teams. And they certainly have, I think, like, I, I think them and Atalanta are pretty e- even teams. Um, so I, uh, it, it should be a great one, but uh, right. I will go now to, I obviously have to wait to get to uh, Manchester United. So I will go to group F, the one that is led by Borussia Dortmund, uh, had a chance to really seal up this group F, but failed to get the result over Lazio at home, finished with a one, one draw. Dortmund and, and the boys from Rome will have test, final like we'll have tough tough tests on the final day uh, on match day six. It's it's not quite all done. It it would be surprising if Dortmund and, and Lazio don't move on. Uh, Zenit Saint Petersburg has been just atrocious. They've only got one point, but we talked about it earlier. Going on the road uh, in, in any Russian team is is tough. So Dortmund should handle them and and have a, an eight goal lead. Uh, goal differential wise over third place club Bruges. Um, so that Dortmund's going to go through, uh, but it will certainly be a, t- a tough test. And as for Lazio, like if there's been a team that I've been uh, most impressed with in the champions league, it, it has to be the Belgian side club Bruges. Like they, they should not have seven points in this, nope. in this group. They should, they should have no chance of like, they shouldn't be going to the Europa league, let, or, let alone have a chance to make the champ, the round of 16. So uh, I, do I expect Lazio to, to lose to Club Bruges? No, but you, you just have to give them a ton of credit that they're even in this position on the final match day. And and I would love to see them knock out Lazio and sneak into that round of 16 because, the, quite frankly, they deserve it just with, with the performances they've done for another team that, you know, is just a small, small club. Um, so you, you got to tip your hat to Club Bruges, even if they only make the, the Europa League. Uh, it's a team that, that has to be proud of, of what they've done in Europe this this year. But looks looks likely that it'll be Dortmund and Lazio moving on. 
Maybe Dortmund, though, does drop a, a point uh, on the road in, in Russia, and, and Lazio can can find a way to get that uh, league or the group win. Pardon me. But yeah, you, you got Dortmund there with 10 points, Lazio with nine, Club Bruges with seven. So still everything to play for. Um, we'd be surprised if it's not Dortmund and Lazio. But, uh, you know, in, in this wild soccer season, it anything can truly happen, and, and so, certainly in the Champions League. So it'll be a fun match day six for Group F. Right, exactly. I believe the same for sure. And uh, I think Lazio is another team. They've been doing bad in the Serie A. They're like down the table. So I wouldn't be surprised if they drop points, you know. So I I don't think it's dusted yet for sure. And Club Bruges, I mean, they win no matter what, right? Because either they go to the Champions League knockout rounds, which they fully deserve after performing well, or they go to the Europa League and they can take this and win it. They really can. So, like, I think that I'm excited to see whatever they do. And even, like, in, for a club like them, like, making the Europa League, like, that, that's still an accomplishment. It really is. Yeah, it is. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. All right. I'll go to Group B now, which is the excited, most exciting group, you know, that I'm going to talk about. Definitely a, a runner, either the winner or the runner-up. This, in- this, this is certainly the most exciting group. Our group's exciting, but, like, all four of these teams are are have been in this group, you know. Right, and and I mean, it's just from the match day one when Shakhtar beat Real Madrid, you you had a feeling this group was going to be weird. This group was going to be weird, and it's and it's and it's just held up through five games. Uh, in this in this most recent match day, Shakhtar doing the double over Real Madrid, beating them twice in the group in a 2-0 victory for the Ukrainian side. Goals by substitutes, and this is my favorite, Dentinho. Uh, it's like a dentist a, from Brazil, a dentinho. Sounds like a little dentist. <laughs> oh, dentinho. Yeah. Uh, dentinho and Manor Solomon, which is also a great name. Uh, they, they score for the Ukrainian side. They leave Los Galacticos on the brink of elimination. I mean, just crazy to think about that Real Madrid won't be in the in the knockout rounds. Uh, it's definitely not done, done and dusted yet, so not saying, you know, anything is... Uh, is out of the question, but uh, it does look like it's bleak in Madrid. And in the other game, we had a five-goal thriller. Borussia Gladbach is the surprise group leader. They still are, but they lose a 3-2 thriller to Inter Milan, who really needed this win to be in contention, and they get it. It was a gross game. Ten yellow cards, four in injury time, with everybody fighting. It was, it was one of those classic games to watch. And uh, we had two strikers who absolutely put their best boots on. You had Romelu Lukaku. Obviously, we've talked about him so much. He continues his tear uh, in his career. He scores a brace in this one. But Alisson Playa, who I'll talk about later too for uh, um, for Borussia Mönchengladbach, also scoring a brace. And it was really the early Matteo Darmian goal that was the difference that got Inter the win, uh, that denied Gladbach the group victory, basically, and also put Inter in it. And so... With one game left, all teams can make it, and all teams can be eliminated. No one is safe. We love to see it. We love it. We love to see it. And so, and you know what it is? I, I think it's fair, right? Madrid has to play Gladbach, the, the team that has technically performed the best. They have to beat them to, to, to qualify, and I think that's what they should need to do. They should need to beat the best team in the group because they performed tr- atrociously, and so they need to prove it against the best team in the group. Gladbach qualify with a win or a draw or with a loss and a Shakhtar draw or loss. So they've got a lot of different apps, avenues going on, um, but Madrid need to win. 
Madrid need a win. That's what they need. And so it, it's win and you're in, don't and you're out. And they will then have to embarrass their fans and play in the Europa League. And let me tell you, as a Bayern fan who once had to play in the Europa League, not what you want to do. Not what you want to do. Because you just, you just, it doesn't work the same way. It really doesn't. Last time Bayern played in the Europa League, they went out to Zenit in the quarterfinals because it was like, that's, that's where your mentality is at. Like you're just in such a bad zone. Yeah. Oh, that- for sure. It's such a disappointment. Yeah. You're like, I don't give a, I don't give a crap about this, about the Europa League. Right. Because when you're a big club, that's not, it doesn't mean, it's not a consolation. It's, it's, it's like a mark of shame almost. It, it, it really is. And so, uh, yeah, Madrid versus Gladbach. But the game that we should be excited to see, Inter Milan also playing bad. But Inter Milan has Romelu Lukaku, and that boy can score. And they play Shakhtar Donetsk, the, the unsung heroes of this group, but we've been singing their praises. They got six of their points against Real Madrid. They got six of them against Real Madrid. They might have one from the other four, uh, the other three games, fine. But six of them, they got against the Champions League all-time record winners. And that's what you want to see from a team that came into this group thinking, wow, we're out. We're not even we're, we're not even going to go to the Europa League. We're just out. Like, that's what it is. And they came into this group and thought that. And, uh, yeah, it, it's just really amazing to see that they're, they're very much in it. So they play Inter Milan. Shakhtar needs a win or a draw and a Madrid loss. Win or a draw and a Madrid loss. So they got a couple avenues. But, again... Inter needs a win. Inter Milan needs a win, and that's what they need. So Inter Milan, Real Madrid, two teams used to being on top. Both need a win to even have a chance. Let's see what happens. It's it's going to be such a disappointing group if the final day Real and Inter win, and then just like it it happens as like you know the the we think it would like after it's been such a great crazy group. We're like no, you guys. What? That's how it ends. Like I, I hope Munch and Gladback or, or Shakhtar make oh, it. I, I hope it's like, them. I hope and they have a great and like they have a great chance. Like you said, like Shakhtar has has played better specifically against Real, but like it, it's insane that Shakhtar's sitting there at second with a minus seven goal differential. But uh, yeah, this has been it's been such a, a great group and like. When Manchester United made the Europa League and like won the Europa League that year, it was like that's because we were in the absolute shitter, like trying to get back. Like Real Madrid just won three straight Champions Leagues. Like if they get knocked out of the Europa League, like that is that's a step back for for this club. I mean, they're a club that can get that step, you know, back themselves pretty quickly. But it, it will not be a, a good days in Madrid if, if, if that's what happens. So I, I, I hope it's Shakhtar and, and Munch and Gladbach onto the round of 16 so bad. Me too, man. And also, it also begs the question for Real Madrid because let's really think about it. It's kind of like a Brady-Belichick situation in a way because it's like, were you really that good or did you have Cristiano Ronaldo? Honestly, because you've been shit since. You've shown nothing. So like, and, 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 Juvent- and Cristiano's still doing well. He's still t- he's still doing great. So, like, who was it that was the reason for your success? It's we maybe we should also give like credit to uh, to Cristiano Ronaldo. He's like, you know, this midfield, Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, they're they're not getting any younger. Uh, like, this team's getting a little older in age. Maybe maybe they've seen their best days as well. I might I might go jump ship. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 wild that that they're in this situation uh, as a team that, that really 
I mean, even with guys that are getting older and, and, you know, losing a step here and there, it's a club that you're like, you, you should have three other options ready to go. Like what, where, what fell in, in, you know, the process of keeping up consistently good teams. But uh, yeah, it's wild over in group H. Now it's my Manchester United. They're tied at top with Leipzig and PSG. They're all sitting there with nine points. Manu is first. Paris Saint-Germain is second. Leipzig is third. If honestly, like we never should have lost to Istanbul, but man, if Paris could have just beaten Leipzig as well, then then we'd be sitting well. But, uh, you know, Manchester United has every chance to still win this group. Um, you know, I, I think there's no way Paris won't go through. They, they get to play Istanbul on the last day. I, the, there's not the soccer gods can be crazy at times, but but we're certain Paris is, is going to get through and and probably will try and score as many goals as they can since they are three uh, goals below United for for the top in the standings and they'll certainly want to win this group. Meanwhile, you got United and Leipzig. All Leipzig, all United needs is a tie, but you know Leipzig's a team that they beat five zero the first time, and and I think. I think if United comes out there with the mentality that, oh, let's go get a tie and plays for a tie, I think they're going to lose and they're going to get knocked down to the Europa League. Like I, After you beat a team so thoroughly thoroughly as they did, how, as a manager, can you like knock the confidence of your guys of just being like, oh, well, let's not play attacking football today. So, And, and when you have the group there to win in you know the group of death, you, you have to go for it. So... I think United's going to win. I, I'm going to give my my faith in them kind of partly because we're on the road. Uh, Manchester United's played substantially better on the road uh, under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer than at home. They're currently eight-game winning streak in the Premier League on the road. They've never done that in their over 100-year history. So something about being on the road, they play better. I think United is going to get the, the group win and Paris gets second, but – Everything to play for between the English and German side on the last day. Um, and, you know, I, I, I get upset because we started the group so well with those first two wins. But when this group got announced, you know, it's Paris Saint-Germain and, and Leipzig, two semifinal teams. And uh, overall, I've, I've been pleased with, with the performance by, by United. Right. Should have, I mean, won, should have probably won against Paris. I Like, you, you, if we get the same chances against Leipzig and, and don't finish – I'll pull every hair out in my head, but uh, yeah, I come on, Tony Martial. Yeah, I mean, the, oh yeah, wow, yeah, I I just had a flashback of watching that happen and and watching Rashford go. Ah! <laughs> yeah, it's like what? It was a tap in, dude. Yeah, I uh, I I think that. You know, Manchester United still has a lot to hang. They they had some disappointing results, but like that's what happens when you start well. Like you can have some disappointing results and still be in pole position. So like I think that that's also something to be said, especially going into a group with two teams who are in the semifinals of the Champions League last year. So it's two teams that can compete. So we know that, and they're in good position. I think Leipzig. You know, they're still trying to figure themselves out in terms of like post Timo Werner land. Like they're playing well because they're coached well but they, they need to know what their X factor is now. Um, so I think them going out is not going to be a huge disappointment. They'll just compete well in the Europa League, and that's fine. Uh, but I think this is really going to say a lot about PSG and Man U, if, if either of them, because we say, I mean, we talked about it. Istanbul, like, you should beat them every turn, fair, but they are not a weak team. 
right? They're, they, they are a depleted team. They don't have as much talent. They're a little over the place, but they have some great, they have some great talent on that team. Like some great old talent that you, you know, five years ago, if you're saying those names, you're scared, you're scared. Shitless. So like, truly you're like, damn, this team's, this team's really good. Right. Exactly. It's like, so I, I think I don't, you know, PSG, they, they had the disappointing Champions League exit to, in the final. They finally got there and they couldn't get it done. And they couldn't get it done against a player that they let go when instead they paid Neymar a billion, jillion dollars to come, right? That was the big disappointment in Paris. If they cannot get through in this group, Paris is burning. Neymar needs to get out of there. Mbappe's gone too. Because I honestly you don't like- th- You don't think they're actually not going to though. No, of Do course not. Like, I mean, they're playing at home. Like, yeah, I, I, I agree. But, like, maybe if they were on the road to Turkey. But uh, – and I thought they like, – like, I, they're a team that I think is getting – they're getting their kind of their shape back this year. Like, we, we probably could have and should have beaten them in that game. But, you know, also that first goal we got was certainly very lucky. Like, the Paris that, that was playing Man U in that game looked far more like the Champions League Paris of last year than, than the first game. Like, they're, they're, they definitely are getting back to – the team I think we think they should be. Right, exactly. And I'm not saying that their form dictates that they're going to perform badly. What I'm saying is there is a road here. PSG is on this, they, they are on this this ledge that they're gonna be on until they they prove something else otherwise, where they should they should win the Champions League. They should. They have the talent, they have played together for long enough. They should win the Champions League at this point. So if they go out now, that's that all of a sudden PSG will never be the same. So that's kind of like what that is. And and similarly with Manchester United, not in the same kind of holistic way, but they should beat Leipzig. They have more talent than Leipzig, and Leipzig is, is a team that is a good team, but they don't have any stars. Like, that's what they are. And so if you're a team like Manchester United who has a good team and has stars, you should win at every point. And you beat them already. So there's 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 so many options. And you know Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is on a hot seat. So if they cannot get through with this game, I think that's the end for him. I don't think he gets fired after the game, but I think in my head, the management starts saying, time to look for a new one. Sometimes, Jan, I, sometimes I, sometimes you you talk about Manchester United like that they're Manchester United of 10 years ago, though. I mean, I, I agree with you where he's on the hot seat. I, I think always going to be on the hot seat kind of constantly, but... I would, I would, if, if they fire him for losing to Leipzig, a team that made the semifinals last year, I, as a Manchester United fan, I'm going to be upset. But I, I know what this team is. This team isn't the team of ten years. Like you and me, got a big argument about the the Sevilla and Manchester United game of, of last year, uh, and like we're not where Sevilla was at last year. And as a team, I, I'm not sure we're we're there where Leipzig is at. I agree with you, talent wise, they should do it, but uh, I. For me as a Man U fan, I don't see the implications quite as much just because I know what the last decade of, of this club has been and where we're at right now is still a lot better than, than where we were over the last several years. But uh, I, I agree with you. They should, they should still win because mostly because, like you said, they beat them. I mean, you beat them 5-0. They, you should have every confidence in the world that you can go beat this team again. And at the end of the day, all they need is a tie. Uh, a tie sees us through. So it's not like the win is necessary, but I think they should go win because, you know, you'd rather win your damn group. That's true. That's true. And I guess my question remains not that I think Manchester United is like so much far above that, that echelon yet, 
my question remains Manchester United is a big club. Like they are, they should, they are as big as, as the Bayern Munichs and the, regardless of if they're not playing that way. Right. And so I guess my question is, does everybody feel the same way where the, how, how much longer do the fans wait before they're a big, they play like a big club again? Because if you look at it, if they were, you know, kicked out of the champions league, fine. Right. They lose to Leipzig. They, they it's a team that they can lose against. Right. And they played and PSG is there. It's a, it's a hard group, but you lose to Leipzig and you look at yourself in the Premier League, and, and where is Manchester United now? They're, they're not necessarily, you know, where they want to be either. If we, win our, if we win our next game in the Champions League, we'll have played every, we'll play as many games as everyone else, and we'll be fifth. So we'll be fifth, and I think we'll be four points from top. So we're not doing really that bad in the Champion or in the Premier League. Um, but no, I mean, I get, I get what you're saying because, like, I, I want Manchester United to be back. But I, I've been there in the front seat seeing them try to do the quick change of Louis van Gaal, and he's going to bring us back. Jose Mourinho, and he's going to bring it back. And I think even more so when your biggest rival ever, you see the, a club saying, no, it's, it can't, we can't do this quickly. Let's go get a manager who – and I'm not sure Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is this manager, but let's go get a manager who we're just going to put faith in and let him build the team back. I, I think – there needs to be that patience there with Manchester United because it's it, it clearly isn't going to be the quick fix that we would like it to. I, I mean, it was like, oh, Paul Pogba comes, things are all good again. No, like not even close. But Bruno Fernandez has been a hundred times more influential. So I, I think if, if you're a Manchester United fan and you're not ready to be here for the long haul of, of a rebuild, then it's going to be a tough year for you because like it, it's clear that this is something that's still in development, you know? Right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So we got a lot of exciting groups to go through there uh, for the last day. We will definitely recap that when it comes. Real quick, I'm going to ask you, who's your favorite to win? I mean, I think it's so clearly Bayern. Um, but if I had to pick another, I, I would I would go with Juventus because Cristiano Ronaldo is the greatest Champions League player ever. Um, and, and I think Cristiano Ronaldo is one of those guys that is so driven by by greatness and wanting to be greatness. If he wins a Champions League with with Juventus, he'll have won the most Champions Leagues by an individual player. He'll be only the second player joining Clarence Seedorf to win the Champions League with three different clubs. Seedorf doing it with Ajax, Real, and, and AC Milan. So I think Juve would be my my favorite because that that if that que- if, if Ronaldo can be the player that we all know he is, especially in the Champions League, it will be that engine that he is that pushes Juve to the title. But uh, I have to, I had to pick another one because I think Bayern is so clearly the favorite right now. Right. I mean, Bayern's Gonzaga, right? They're the favorite until they really mess up. Like that's just like what it's going to be. And yeah. so I, I, I also said they're the favorite. But if I'm picking another team, I'm actually going Barcelona. I think that they perform so well in the Champions League. Messi has a feel for that competition just as much as Ronaldo does. And I think with everything going on, with the way that his summer has gone, with him really finding some stride, I think that he can really tear it up. And I think that Barcelona is going to be hard to beat, at least in this competition. So for sure. they, I, I absolutely agree. Right, and they're the only team that's perfect so far. Only team that has every win so far. And in a group with Juventus, that's not easy easy money uh, to, to count on. But, yeah, definitely the the contenders have earned that. My, uh, my boys have earned that uh, respect for now. Uh, let's talk about dark horse teams, though. And I, they don't need to necessarily be like a bad team because I don't think any bad teams are going to be making 
the 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 knockout rounds as as far as I'm looking at. But like, who do you think is a team like that? You're not going to be like, oh my gosh, never in a million years will they beat all this competition. Yeah, well, and you know, with the Champions League, it is the Champions League always feels top heavy too. So like, I think the dark horse, it, like after you get out of Bayern, Barca, Juve, like. PSG maybe like everyone does kind of feel like a dark horse already. And I'm actually going to go with Chelsea. Uh, you know, even when the blues underperform domestically, they, they still seem to show up in Europe as you unfortunately know all too well. Uh, and while their players, especially in the new guys still kind of adapting to the EPL life, a lot of them are accustomed to playing in Europe, even if it's not high quality champions league that they've played in European competitions far more than they've played the premier league. So that's sort of, you know, getting used to, to the game isn't really there. Uh, so it pains me to say it, but I'm going to go Chelsea. We blew them out of the water last time we played. Give us the respect. Don't go back to the bad days. Well, I was referring to when they they were crap in the domestic league that year. They finished seventh. Yeah. Ugh, don't remind me of oh, the Munich nightmare. Anyway, uh, I'm going to go, and, and I'm not going to pick a specific team here, but what I will say is I'm going to go with this, whoever finishes second in Group H. I think... They're all not awful teams. Definitely none are they going to be the favorites, um, especially if PSG doesn't finish, you know, where we think they're going to finish after that the win, right? Um, and I think being in a tough group like that, you grind, right? And you're kind of already in midseason form. And so whoever finished second, people are going to – the top team is going to feel like, you know, they kind of have an edge. And they didn't, like, qualify easily, right? They definitely played every game. They had some disappointing things, and I think it's going to disappoint. So – you know, I'll give this to you, Manchester United. I think they're a dark horse team. I really, really do. I think if they can make it into the group stage, I think it, they have every possibility of going through. And if if we even just make a little Champions League run, I'll I'll be happy. Like I I don't need the title this year. Get me get me to the quarters. Get me to the semis. Whew, I'll be pumped as hell. <laughs> there you go. I, I'll be too, man. I I mean, I think not like Manchester City or any like crap team like that. I think like I, I hate a lot of teams, but Manchester United, even though Bayern has its history with Manchester United, Manchester United like has never struck me as a team that you want to do badly. Like you want Manchester United in the later stages of a tournament. You want that match. You do. You do. Yeah. So like I, I, yeah, I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens, and uh, I can see I'm already getting you pumped for it. <laughs> Dude, I'm gonna be next next week. It's gonna be such a Oh, I don't even know. Yeah, we can't. But we can't. I'm, you know, I'm excited to be, even if it's a group stage, it's, it's, it is nice at least to be back in, you know, competitive, meaningful Champions League games. So, like I said, moving, moving in the right direction. And I, and I hope, I hope we can see it through. I think we got a great chance. All right. And last question out of the Champions League section of this podcast episode Who's the breakout player for you? Who's, who's the, who's the kind of, how do I say that? Like the best players so far, you know, like it's hard to say because you have great player, like Messi, Ronaldo are going to be the best players, obviously, because they're the best players in the world. But like, who's the best player so far in this tournament? Yeah, this is a tough one. I actually, I, w- I went with a, a double answer and, and I, one answer is a homer and one actually is an easy answer that you already gave. My homer answer is Marcus Rashford. Uh, you know, he had the winner against PSG, the hat trick against Leipzig that were really the catalyst behind the two massive wins that that started this group stage out for us. Without those wins, we're not in the position where we are right now to to win the group of death. And and furthermore, his six goals, uh, even the lucky one against Paris on on Tuesday, 
uh, have him tied at top for uh, the the golden boot in in the uh, competition. So I got Marcus Rashford, and then I actually did go Messi as well because you know his scoring might not be where it's usually at. Like in fact, I, I think he's only scored from the spot in the entire competition, which is so weird. But just the mentality and the energy that he's played with, and, and the team has followed suit in since the overhaul at Barca has, has just completely changed the look. Like, you know, the, the start of the year, and of course, like, you, you guys shellacked them in the the quarterfinals, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then just like kind of the start of the year and, and everything with Messi, like, we're like, what's Barca going to do? And then once <laughs> Messi was, you know, a little pe- appeased, he he turned that switch on and and the team looks like like you said like a like a team that they know how to win in, in Champions League and and I think for for Barca whether he's scoring goals or not it all starts with with Lionel Messi. Right, I agree. Lionel Messi. The only reason I didn't pick him is cuz that's easy. And same with Ronaldo. I was like I I want it, it is an easy one. It's so easy, but yeah, and I I like that you said Marcus Rashford because I I almost picked him too because I think he's just you know, with all the shit that he's gotten sometimes and like just being like a great player and a great guy. Like, I think I think he deserves that accolade for sure. I went with uh, with a fellow German team player. Uh, I And I said his name earlier, Alisson Plea. The strikers, you know, in this tournament, Erling Haaland, Romelu Lukaku have done great. But Alisson Plea has five goals and three assists in five games. Like he's the he is the motor of that Gladbach team that are on the verge of top qualification with a group with Real Madrid and Inter Milan and a, and an always dangerous Shakhtar side. I mean, Gladbach is the equivalent of, of Valencia, you know, in Spain is what I'll say. So like for Valencia to be beating all those teams and for one striker to be basically doing himself, it's amazing. He's got 78% shot accuracy. He's got 77% pass accuracy. He's a machine and he creates goals for that team out of nowhere. And more importantly, He's smart. He has one yellow card in five games, even though he's the toughest player on the pitch. That's how you do it. So I think that he really deserves that best player accolade from me. And it's always good to see another German team kind of uh, overperforming. That's not Dortmund or Bayern. It's always nice to see. Yeah, I, I love that pick. He, he's such a great player, too. Like another, you know, a Frenchman that doesn't get his due credit because of the, you know, in plethora of, of great attacking players they have right now. So love, love that selection. Right, and we've got one more match day, and there's so much that's going to happen. Group B is going to explode. Matt's going to explode. It's going to be crazy. Hopefully enjoy. Enjoy, enjoy. I'll be, I'll be exploding either way. It's just if it's the you know the positive or the negative. Yeah, we're going to make sure that we really have to make sure that the next recording doesn't, doesn't bite into it like it usually does. Yeah. It's gonna do. It's gonna be like the situation in the uh, in the office where Michael's waiting to, to find out if Holly's engaged or not. So he has like a happy box and a sad box. I'm just gonna get both of those ready, and depending on the result, yeah, we'll the see. Alcohol, the alcohol is gonna be both for the sad. <laughs> yeah, I will. That's where I'm gonna differ from Michael Scott. Oh, there you go. Either, either two way. bottles of scotch. Two bottles of scotch. Both sad. Not not for me. That'll one of those is going to the happy. There you go. There we go. We love to see it. And we love, as always, to talk about some Champions League soccer.